Good afternoon and welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the next instalment of Five Go Off in a Caravan. And we are at chapter 20 already. Um, and I think there was only 23 chapters in the book. So we're almost there. Not quite, but almost. <clears throat> and if you remember, they are stuck. They are prisoners down underground. How awful. Well, thank you for joining me um, for chapter 20. And it's called More Excitement. Ooh, wonder what happens now. It was a very sad and disappointed little company that made their way back to the cave. Along the tunnel they went, painfully and slowly, for it was not so easy against the current. Julian shivered. He was wet through with trying to swim. At last they were back in the cave through which the stream flowed so swiftly. Oh, let's run around and round it just to get warm, said Julian. I'm frozen. Dick, let me have one of your dry jerseys. I must take off these wet ones. The children ran round and round the cave, pretending to race one another, trying to get warm. They did get warm in the end, and they sank down in a heap on some soft sand in a corner, panting. They sat there for a little while to get their breath. Then they heard something. Timmy heard it first and growled. Jump in, Jiminy, what's up with Timmy? said Nobby in fright. He was the most easily scared of the children, probably because of the frights he had had the last few days. They all listened. George, with her hand on Timmy's collar, he growled again softly. The noise they all heard was a loud panting coming from the stream over at the other side of the cave. Someone's wading up the stream, whispered Dick in astonishment. Did they get in at the place where we couldn't get out? They must have. <clears throat> but who is it? asked Julian. Can't be Lou or Dan. They wouldn't come that way when they could come the right way. Shh! Whoever it is, is arriving in the cave. I'll turn off my torch. Darkness fell in the cave as the light from Luke Julian's torch was clicked off. They all sat and listened, and poor Nobby shook and shivered. Timmy didn't growl any more, which was surprising. In fact, he even wagged his tail. There was a sneeze from the other end of the cave and then soft footsteps padded towards them. Anne felt as if she might scream. Who was it? Julian switched on his torch suddenly and its light fell on a squat hairy figure halting in the bright glare. It was Pongo! It's Pongo, everyone yelled and leapt up at once. Timmy ran over to the surprised chimpanzee and sniffed around him in delight. Pongo put his arms around Nobby and Anne. Pongo, you've escaped. You must have bitten through your rope, said Julian. 
How clever you are to find your way through the hole where the stream pours out. How did you know you would find us here? Oh, clever Pongo! Then he saw the big wound on poor Pongo's head. Oh, look, said Julian, he's been hurt. I expect those brutes threw a stone at him. Oh, poor old Pongo. Let's bathe his head, said Anne. I'll use my hanky. But Pongo wouldn't let anyone touch his wound, not even Nobby. He didn't snap or snarl at them, but simply held their hands away from him and refused to leave go. So nobody could bathe his head or bind it up. Oh, never mind, said Nobby at last. Animals' wounds often heal up very quickly without any attention at all. He won't let us touch it, that's for certain. I expect Lou and Dan hit him with a stone and knocked him unconscious when they came. They then shut up the hole and made us prisoners. Beasts. Hey, said Dick suddenly. I say I've got an idea. I don't know if it will work, but it really is an idea. What? asked everyone thrilled. Well, what about tying a letter around Pongo's neck and sending him out of the hole again to take the letter to the camp, said Dick. He won't go to Lou or Dan because he's scared of them. But he'd go to any of the others all right, wouldn't he? Larry would be the best one. He seems to be a good fellow. Would Pongo understand enough to do all that, though? asked Julian doubtfully. We could try him, said Nobby. I do send him here and there sometimes, just for fun. To take the elephants back to Larry, for instance, or to put my coat away in my caravan. Well, we could certainly try, said Dick. I've got a notebook and a pencil. I'll write a note and I'll wrap it up in another sheet, pin it together and tie it round Pongo's neck with a bit of string. So he wrote a note. It said... To whoever gets this note, please come up the hill to the hollow where there are two caravans. Under the red one is the entrance to an underground passage. We are prisoners inside the hill. Please rescue us soon. Julian, Dick, George, Anne and Nobby. He read it out to the others. Then he tied the note around Pongo's neck. Pongo was a bit surprised, but fortunately did not try to pull it off. Now you give him his orders, said Dick to Nobby. So Nobby spoke slowly and importantly to the listening chimpanzee. Where's Larry? Go to Larry, Pongo. Fetch Larry. Go, go. <clears throat> Pongo blinked at him and made a, a funny little noise as if he was saying, Oh, please, Nobby, I don't want to go. Nobby repeated everything again. Understand, Pongo, I think you do. Go then, go, go. And Pongo turned and went. He disappeared into the stream, splashing along by himself. The children watched him as far as they could by the light of their torches. <gasps> he really is clever, said Anne. He didn't want to go a bit, did he? I do hope he finds Larry and that Larry sees the note and reads it and sends someone to rescue us. 
Well, I hope the note doesn't get all soaked and pulpy in the water, said Julian rather gloomily. Oh, gosh, I wish I wasn't so cold. Let's run around a bit again and then have a piece of chocolate each. They ran about and played tag for a time till they all felt warm again. Then they decided to sit down and have some chocolate and play some sort of guessing game to while away the time. Timmy sat close to Julian and the boy was very glad. He's like a big hot water bottle, he said. Sit closer, Tim. That's right, you'll soon warm me up. It was dull after a time, sitting in the light of one torch, for they dared not use them all. Already it seemed as if Julian's torch was getting a little dim. They played all the games they could think of and then yawned. What's the time? I suppose it must be getting dark outside now. I feel quite sleepy. It's nine o'clock almost, said Julian. I hope Pongo has got down to the camp all right and found someone. We could expect help quite soon, if so. Well then, we'd better get along to the passage that leads to the hall, said Dick, getting up. It's quite likely that if Larry or anyone else comes, they'll not see the footholds leading up the wall out of that first little cave. They might not know where we were. This seemed very likely. They all made their way down the tunnel that led past the hidden store of valuables and came out into the enormous cave. There was a nice sandy corner <clears throat> excuse me, just by the hole that led down into the first small cave, and the children decided to sit there rather than in the passage or in the first rocky and uncomfortable little cave. They cuddled up together for warmth and felt hungry. Anne and Nobby dozed off to sleep. George almost fell asleep too, but the boys and Timmy kept awake and talked in low voices. At least Timmy didn't talk, but wagged his tail whenever either Dick or Julian said anything. That was his way of joining in the conversation. After what seemed a long time, Timmy growled and the two boys sat up straight. Whatever it was that Timmy's sharp ears had heard, they had heard nothing at all. And they continued to hear nothing. But Timmy went on growling. Julian shook the others awake. I believe help has come, he said. But we'd better not go and see in case it's Dan and Lou come back. So wake up and look lively. Well, they were all wide awake at once. Was it Larry come in answer to their note? Oh, or was it those horrid men, Tiger Dan and Lou the acrobat? They soon knew. A head suddenly poked out of the hole nearby and a torch shone on them. Timmy growled ferociously and struggled to fly at the head. But George held on firmly to his collar thinking it might be Larry. But it wasn't. It was Lou the acrobat, as the children knew only too well when they heard his voice. Julian shone his torch on him. I hope you've enjoyed your little shat selves, came Lou's harsh voice. And you keep that dog under control, boy, or I'll shoot him. See? I'm not standing no nonsense from that dog this time. Have a look at this here gun. To George's horror, she saw 
that Lou was pointing a gun at poor Timmy. She gave a scream and flung herself in front of him. Don't you dare to shoot my dog. Oh, oh, oh. She couldn't think of anything bad enough to do to the man who shot Timmy and she stopped, choked by tears of rage and fear. Timmy, not knowing what the gun was, couldn't for the life of him understand why George wouldn't let him get at his enemy. Such a nice position too, with his head poking through a hole like that. Timmy felt that he could deal with that head oh so very quickly. Now, you kids get up and go into that tunnel, said Lou. Go on, go, right ahead of me and don't dare to stop. We've got work to do here tonight and we're not going to have any more interference from kids like you. See? The children saw quite well. They began to walk towards the entrance of the tunnel. One by one they climbed into it. George first with Timmy. She dared not let go of his collar for an instant. A few paces behind them came Lou with his revolver and Dan with a couple of big sacks. The children were made to walk right past the shelf on which were the hidden goods. Then Lou sat down in the tunnel, his torch switched on fully so that he could pick out each child. He still pointed his revolver, though, at Timmy. Now we'll get on, he said to Tiger Dan. You know what to do. Get on with it. Tiger Dan began to stuff the things into one of the big sacks he had brought. He staggered off with it. He came back in about ten minutes and filled the other sack. It was plain that the men meant to take everything away this time. Ha! Thought you'd made a very fine discovery, didn't you? said Lou mockingly to the children. Ah, yes. Very smart you were. See what happens to little smarties like you? You're prisoners and here you'll stay for two or three days. What do you mean? said Julian in alarm. Surely you wouldn't leave us here to starve. Oh, no, not to starve. We're too fond of you, grinned Lou. We'll chuck you down some food into the tunnel and in two or three days... Maybe somebody will come and rescue you. Oh, Julian wished desperately that Pongo would bring help before Lou and Dan finished their business in the tunnel and went leaving them prisoners. He watched Tiger Dan working quickly, packing everything, carrying it off, coming back again, packing feverishly once more. Lou sat still with his torch and revolver, enjoying the scared faces of the girls and Nobby. Julian and Dick put on a brave show which they were far from feeling. Tiger Dan staggered away with another sackful, but he hadn't been gone for more than half a minute before a wail echoed through the tunnel. Lou! Help! Help! Something's attacking me! Lou! Help! Lou rose up and went swiftly down the tunnel. It's Pongo. I bet it's old Pongo, said Julian, thrilled. Well, ooh, now, now, now. I wonder if it's Pongo with help. 
I wonder if it's Pongo at all, but I wonder if it is Pongo with help or whether he's just wandered around and decided to come back on his own and not gone for help. Or he may have got help and or may have gone to get some help, but nobody's actually read the note. Nobody's seen it. Well, we will just have to wait until tomorrow. And then when we read chapter 21, ooh, ooh, ooh. so are you going to come and join me for chapter 21 and find out what happens next? I hope so. <laughs> anyway, I will see you all again tomorrow. So have a great day and take care and stay safe. Bye for now.